Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick podcast network production. I'm Joey Santos. And I'm Alan Nevins. This week we're talking to Kim and Penn Holderness, a couple that is changing the game when it comes to making marriages work and building a YouTube career. Kim and Penn are the authors of the popular new book, Everybody Fights, so why not get better at it? And this week we're talking to them about marriage, their new book, their massive social media following, and of course, our theme of the week, nothing changes if nothing changes. So let's grab a drink and dive right in. All right, well, this week we still are in Costa Rica and we're here for a few more weeks. So we've got lots of guilty pleasures to talk about. But first, Joey, tell us about the cocktail of the week that you have created for the Holdernesses. I named it The Honeymoon. Here we are in this romantic setting. They're this great couple that fights, <laughs> but not on their honeymoon. So I named it The Honeymoon. And you'll tell us all about it when they join us? Yeah, I will. I'll explain to them what it Do is. Do get a hint? Other than it's really delicious and quite sexy, that's all you get. All right. Our theme this week is nothing changes if nothing changes. And this is true for life, career, love. When it comes to relationships, making it work is a tough job. You and I both know that, Joey. True this. And if you refuse to make changes, your situation will never change or grow. This is going to be an interesting conversation about relationships, why they work, what you need to do. I'm actually very interested to hear what they have to say. Listen, we know so many people that start off great and wind up not so great, but the whole idea of getting together is just to take the lessons and learn from each other. It's only time spent that means the most. So whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 70 years, or two weeks, make it the best of what that is. Well, now tell me, before we get to them, Let's talk about our guilty pleasures this week, because we had quite a few. Oh, my God, have we? Should we just focus on our weekend zip lining and all of that? Yeah, that was a first for both of us. Well, at least it was for me. I think you did zip lines once before. it. Yeah, I zip lined in Argentina, which was really interesting. But this was different in many other ways, because first we did our little cultural coffee clutch kind of thing, which I found fascinating. He showed us, he brought us to a coffee plant, took the beans off it, showed us how you get the beans out, how to roast them the whole bit. I had never seen that done before. Yes, and I won the quiz between the light, the dark, and the medium roast. Oh, let's do that here. This could be barely good. Go ahead, start. The question was, which is the best coffee? Light roast, medium roast, or dark roast? And a couple people in the group went for the dark roast, and a couple people went for the light roast, but only Joey went for the medium roast, which was the correct answer. And Joey, tell us why that is. Why the medium roast is the best pick or the best of the roasts because it has the most caffeine. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, got, I, I think I just got lucky with the answer. I'll answer it. The dark roast meant that the bean is cooked too long. So the caffeine is cooked out of it, and some of the other things are also cooked out of it. The light roast means it's not cooked enough to bring the caffeine forward and doesn't bring the flavor out. So medium roast is actually the best way so to I was roast. Correct. So it has the most amount of caffeine, and it has the best flavor. 
That's correct. You so win that correct. round. I win. I won a demi-tasse of coffee. But what was best about this then, after we watched, and by the way, they had this great, it was a cow, wasn't it? Or no, it was, he was a, a bull. It was a bull. It was a bull. And tied to the thing like the old grinding, the flour thing where the bull walked around. And we put the sugar cane into the crusher and the bull walked around in a circle and it dragged the sugar cane through the crusher and out came a lot more juice than I actually expected. I was surprised that one sugar cane produced so much sugar juice. Yeah, which we all got to try, which was quite delicious too. So it was, it was a fun fun beginning to, the, to our day. So learning about that, and then he made us these little pastries in the brick oven, the outdoor brick oven, which was sort of, one was an empanada done with these sort of aged cheese in the center, which was rather sweet and salty at the same time. And the other was a little round biscuit that went perfectly with the coffee. So it, it was quite enjoyable, these little morsels that he baked for us fresh. We made the coffee in the traditional way, in the bag with the hot water. Mm -hmm. Hasn't changed much in all these years, but it was great. And then what was exciting is then we all got on horses. And some in this group had never been on a horse before. Well, not one with four legs anyway. And some are not even hung like a horse, but we got on anyway. And it was rather enjoyable. That, that was fun. We climbed all the way up to the mountain on horseback. And then that's where we uh, started our zip lining experience. And we actually did seven runs. Eight. He told us seven, but if you remember, they had that added extra one. Eight. Oh, yeah. One added run. And it was really super fun. I have to admit, I was a little clumsy in the beginning. <laughs> a Quiet. <laughs> and the terror in your eyes was worth the price of admission. There, there was terror in my eyes and there were terror in my thighs. You had to keep your legs closed, which is a feat within itself, because you're dangling over this jungle, over this rainforest. I mean, how many hundreds of feet of cable you're hanging from. And then once I got through the first one, I felt invigorated, and then I was ready to, to charge through the other seven. It was really super fun. Although one thing I did screw up, you know, you have to uh, slow yourself just before you hit the landing. <laughs> Yes, before or you hit the landing. You start to slow yourself, but I kind of gripped a little bit too hard on the cable, and then I wound up stopping in the middle of the, the you know, in the middle of the jungle before I got to the land, from one landing to another, so I was right in the center. And I had to kind of monkey myself across that cable all the way to the landing. So that took a lot of, <sighs> out of me. But uh, I did it, I made it, and then I learned my lesson from there, and I just waited till the very last minute to, to hold that cable tight so I could stop. So it was a great experience. I absolutely loved it. We were laughing so hard because we were like, go faster. And there he is dangling a <laughs> hundred yards above the forest canopy, just dangling there. We were like, yeah. now how are you going to get to the end? I did it. So he, you did, but you learned that lesson quickly because pulling yourself to the end is not easy. No, but like most lessons in life that we learn, it's, the hard way that we remember. <laughs> yes, none of us needed that lesson but you. <laughs> but me, I got it. But I have to say, this zip lining was a little um, surprising in some ways because there was a couple of those where you're crossing the canyon and the river, and we were really high. Yeah, but it I mean, really like high. an altitude. Yes, that's what I meant. 
No, but I, you know, we were we weren't just above the trees. We were way above the trees. I was surprised how high some of these zip lines were. It was great. They were done in sort of a chain. After the horses bring you to the top of the mountain, then they've got this chain of zip lines to get you down. But they crisscross over the river and the canyon, and a couple of them were like, "Whoa, this is pretty high." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had a duck a seven eight seven. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I said sorry. I said wave to the pilot. But it was a great experience, I have to say. And when we get to the bottom, you end the zip lines at the top of a water chute. And we got in this water chute and they release amount the water behind you that's in a tank. And you go flying down this water chute around these things through the middle of a tree, which I thought was very strange. A hollowed out tree. The water chute goes right through the middle of the tree. And then you end up in sort of this little pool at the bottom. But it was kind of fun, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, at one point, I felt like a piece of shit getting through, getting flushed down the toilet. That water came rushing after me so quick, and then it was like a luge. We went through this tube, and I bounced up and down and all around. I thought I was going to fly out. And then I hit that pool at the end so hard, I was literally submarined under the water. It's everything I could do not to release the photos they took of you. Oh, God, please. <laughs> I, I, I beg of you. The expression on my face was not pretty we were in, <laughs> we laughed we our were ass in off. hysterics <laughs> yeah it was hysterical and then we did a mud bath but that wasn't even the end then they take you down now first they gave us lunch that they prepared right there and sort of open ovens and things it was amazing and then they uh take you down to the river and it's a hot spring and they've diverted it to go into this beautifully tiled pool area with a bar at the end. And, and then they have all the volcano mud there and you cover yourself with the mud, you let it dry, you let it do its thing, you rinse it off and then you get in this warm spring pool, uh, which was beautiful. We just floated there for like an hour, just in the jungle and the river is going by. It was extraordinary. And then finally getting to sip some frozen pina coladas which made it all go away all the anxiety just left i have to say something this whole experience has been amazing aside from getting so much rest and getting all you know going for all the adventures the people here are so gentle so kind it's really pura vida isn't it yeah which is what they say all the time they say that all the time it's their greeting it's their farewell it's it's, it's everything and they're just the kindest sweetest most patient Especially with this group, you'd have to be. But lovely, <laughs> lovely people. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then today, for the second time, we did a little jet skiing out in the bay. And we got on the jet skis, and we weren't out from the coast 10 minutes. When the clouds came in, and we had a downpour. Like, you can't believe the rain against your face was completely painful as you jet skied through it. The highlight was we saw dolphins. And right next to us, we stopped on the coast and suddenly these dolphins came flying up out of the water. They weren't but a hundred yards from us. It was amazing to watch. Yeah, that was cool. I did get a little nervous because the water got pretty rough and it got very gray and there was a tremendous amount of fog rolled in. You couldn't see the uh, the horizon or the shoreline anymore. And we were, we were quite a ways out. I think a little nervous is understating with you going, shouldn't we all stay together? Where's the shoreline? How do we get back? I don't know where we are. Okay, don't exaggerate. I just acted like, I, I acted like Molly Brown. I was determined to make it to Shoal. <laughs> it was I rough, did my though. best Molly Brown. 
I uh, kept my mink coat on my shoulders and I sailed through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was scared shit. <laughs> That's a better. That is a better portrayal, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, when we're excited to talk to Kim and Penn about their new book, their platform and their marriage, and we're going to do that as soon as we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So joining us today is Kim and Penn. You probably know them better as the Holderness family. They have been a huge sensation on YouTube. They've gone on to have over a billion views of their videos. And it's an extraordinary career. And we are very excited to have them joining us. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Hey, guys. Hi. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Thanks for being here. Now, if you don't know, we start off each guest with a cocktail, and Joey crafts a cocktail depending on the guest. So Joey's going to fill you in on what your cocktail is today. Yes, because you're such an inspirational married couple, and there's only few of us left. <laughs> and I thought, well, here we are in the tropics, and you guys are not here. We wanted to share that with you, although you are welcome to join us. I created a guava rumba punch. <sighs> But I call it the Honeymoon Guava Rumba Punch. Because ah. it's quite romantic. It's very delicious. It's got a little bit of creme de coco, fresh pineapples, rum, dark rum, <laughs> a local dark rum, so it's extra punch, and um, fresh guava. And I did a little bit of sour orange, which is the local fruit here. And I, I picked a whole bunch from the jungle yesterday, so I squeezed that in and then blended it up. And there you go. Kim, your, your jaw's on the ground. My jaw's on the ground. And like, you know how when somebody, I just, I love to eat and drink. Yeah. And so you're, you're, you kind of, and now he's drinking it for the love of God. And so, but like my mouth. <laughs> and it's is, early here. And it's, so <laughs> and my, my mouth is watering a little bit. Like I started to like that active kind of drool. Yeah. That's <laughs> delicious. Send us the recipe. I will try oh, well. to go to Whole Foods and find those ingredients because yeah, I'm not going to real simple for you. Yeah. Now we're both drinking in front of you because we always drink. We'll just consider this the uh, Bloody Mary of the tropics. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so to, how are you guys? Good? We're good. We are, you know, I feel like we have, we're crossing the finish line of getting, you know, kids out of school. But then we start the summer and it's just as hectic. So... Yeah. Are you going to be doing a lot of recording during this summer? or We are going to continue to make content. Um, we're trying to do yeah. a little more what they call batching, where you shoot uh, a little bit ahead of time. Yeah. And that way we can spend a little bit of time on the road because we haven't had a chance to get on an airplane or go anywhere since when, Kim, last January? No, February? we flew March 2020. We flew back from Europe. Yeah, that was March 1st was the last time we were on an airplane. And Kim and I love to travel. So that's, 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 that's been kind of a tough bit. So we, it's funny, we, we now have a little bit of time to travel, but we've, I think we've built up our channel to the point now where people are expecting 
more frequent posting because we did it during COVID. So we've dug ourselves a bit of a hole just to get out of town and go have some fun. And, and you, have, you have to have a new perspective now because it's really changed for all of us during that period of time. Alan, Alan and I were watching a lot of your COVID videos over the last few days and really enjoying them. And they were so clever and it really said a lot. It spoke to us a lot because we've all had that same anxiety. You know, this is the one thing about this pandemic that we all had in common. We all got thrown into it together at the same time. It, did, it wasn't exclusive to any class of person or, or a, a country or, you know, this was something that we all got thrown into. And the most important thing is how we come out of it. So you owe yourself that now to travel and to do those things, of course, with the protocol, which I believe we cannot change or get lazy about. Right. We had anxiety for our own personal reasons too. I mean, I think there were two different types of anxiety uh-huh. um, when we're talking about COVID. Mine was was being, um, I think, pent in uh, as an extrovert who gets energy from outside. And then Kim, you had a whole different, almost like a whole different experience with it. I'm not going to say I loved quarantine, but as an introvert, <laughs> it came very naturally. And so now when they kind of, you know, we're vaccinated, but our kids aren't, right? Yeah. So while our oldest one is one shot in, but then and we have an 11 year old, so he's not eligible for it. Right. So Yes, I'm thrilled that I can, you know, the science says that I can feel more comfortable going places, but still like, I mean, we're not changing a, t- a ton because I have, yeah, I, we have, an, you know, our kids aren't really protected and I know a ton of people who are now like, oh, we don't have to wear a mask anymore. So, and they're, they're not vaccinated. So I feel like we all went through this collective trauma, like you said, and, be, and it made our, I think our content because we talk about things we deem like relatable or whatever that is. We basically just talk about the stuff happening in our lives. But for the first time, what was happening in our life was happening in everybody's life across the world. Right. And so it became that much more digestible to people. I was not ready for them to say like, okay, you're fine now. Go ahead. I, I was not ready for it. One of our most watched videos last uh, year was uh, it was a Hamilton parody just about the the common senseness of wearing a mask. Yeah, we saw yeah, that. Yeah, we saw it. We that was it. funny. <laughs> so that was based entirely on a six minute conversation that I had with a man from Florida who was uh, vacationing. He was vacationing in North Carolina. My family's from Florida, so we're we're you know. Look, yeah, and I love, I, I don't mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that all of Florida felt this way. It was one person no. who, who I spoke to, and I didn't really have to write much of that. It just, I just recalled the conversation I had with this guy yeah. and just put it in the framework of, of the song. Um, we didn't have to exaggerate a lot because At all. of how right. bonkers everything was. Well, we wanted to thank you after watching those videos because part of the crew that normally vacations with us is coming from the UK. And of course, they're not allowed to travel. Yeah. Yeah. And what people don't understand is that these variants are popping up because people are not getting vaccinated. And the UK is having terrible problems with the variants. And they've locked down again. And they're not allowed to travel. So we've lost a few of our guests this summer. We're ready for We're you. We're ready anytime. for you. If you're vaccinated, come on anytime. down. And you know what I did? What I did love. <laughs> and I and I want to call you Rona for some reason. <laughs> That video was so funny. So it got weird here in quarantine. I, it, it, yeah, it got really strange. That character was, and I'm not an actress necessarily. I mean, 
our background is in television news. So I know how to, yeah, you're a journalist, right. yeah. You? so I know how to be myself and then I'm a slightly more heightened version of myself. I have no other right. range. I have zero range Persona. after that. Well, yeah, that was funny. one of the questions we wanted to ask you actually, since you both were in news at the, at some time, you obviously had some desire to sort of be on camera and be news reporters. H- how did that morph into this? And how are they different? And which are you finding more rewarding? The first question was, how did we kind of get into this? Well, it was really well, about the morph, the morph. You left, you left news journalism. Yeah, right? and- yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it actually, it was this kind of perfect convergence because news taught us several things. It taught us how to be quick and efficient storytellers. It taught us how to produce and edit video. Like for, for the majority of my career and the majority of Kim's careers, even though we were kind of reporters and anchors toward the end, we were creating our own content from soup to nuts. Like we were filming it, we were editing it. Yeah. And then it was going out into the world. And we were doing it on a daily basis, very quickly, like a, a big turnaround. On top of that, Kim grew up as a competitive dancer and has phenomenal, uh, is just phenomenal at that and has a musical background with that sense. I grew up in bands and acapella groups um, and had a, a pretty strong musical background. There's really no place for that in local news or national news or any type of news that you were a part of. Um, no. But, yeah. Not a lot of jazz hands yeah. in local news. No. <laughs> when we decided to start a production company and started making our own content, mainly we were planning on doing it for other people, for other um, groups that have more money than us who wanted to pay to have an identity and, and use our creativity to help them and then make our own money, have our own company. Uh, Kim had an idea that we do a musical parody to announce it. And um, so we, we went and wrote that and it went viral. We got 20 million views. Um, and thir- Is that the Christmas jam? Yeah, yeah. We got 13,000 yeah, yeah. 13, emails from people because we put our work website on there. And, you know, 12,000 of them were perverts who wanted to um, s- sleep with my wife. But then like there were... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mrs. There were 1,000 probably legitimate leads. So it was kind of the birth of our company. But the other big part of the kind of luck was this was this was the really the genesis of YouTube and Facebook as places that where you could reward people who are making their own stuff and not necessarily coming in with these like high-end Hollywood videos. And that was exactly what we were giving them. So it was right. the, the morph happened instantly. And then it took us about three or four years to figure out how to do it right. And we screwed a lot up during that time. So basically, you were kind of the founding families of YouTube in that regard. We were one of the first ones. Well, no, they even years before, and we, that's the thing we didn't know, but years before, there were a lot of families who had figured out this YouTube model. We didn't understand it. So we, I mean, I think that we were on the l- late side of the beginning of the YouTube and Facebook, I w- but it's still chunked in the beginning, yeah. And a huge part of their success was based on volume, like posting a ton, um, posting for kids, showing newborns, having babies, getting pregnant, um, you know, and, and then just showing every bit of your life in these 20 minute videos because YouTube rewarded that algorithm. We, ne- we didn't figure that out probably until it was almost too late for that. So wait a minute, is this going to lead into all all couples argue? <laughs> I was going to say, this moves right into the marriage section here. I know. Yeah, I'm in the guest room. It's perfect. <laughs> is that by choice or you've been... Uh, Let me tell banished? you, we, um, I would say about one or two nights a week, he'll, he plays tennis, which is great. 
and he will play later. And I go to bed early because I wake up. Tim gives me a curfew. And I, ha- if he's out after curfew, he sleeps in the guest room because he, you know, he has to come in and take a shower, and it wakes me up. And I, I instead yeah. of FOMO, instead of fear of missing out, I have FOMS, which is fear of missing sleep. So I get like real anxiety if I don't have enough sleep. So I have to say, once or twice a week, he sleeps in the guest room. It's amazing. I recommend it. Yeah, ten out of ten. Piece. Recommend. Yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good that's a good segue in to talk about your book. Yes, sleep in separate. <laughs> Everybody beds. fights, so why not get better at it? And you figured out how to even avoid the fighting. Just send them to another room. Hey, it's all about communication and asking for what you want, right? We talk about it, and this book is like mature. We we quote it. It's a motto in our house, which is mature people ask for what they want, and I want sleep. So he yeah, goes I to the do. other room. It works out. Do I dare ask what Penn wants? I want her to want less stuff. Uh, no, I, I, um, you, you know what? I, I, I do have FOMO. I, I want time out of this place. I love my family. They make me very happy, but I am such an extrovert. If you were able to profile me, I get a lot of energy from outside, from just the world. And so I mean, it took us a while to figure this out, but going over to play tennis with some buddies if there's, you know, four of them, if there's eight of them, and then maybe like having a beer afterwards, talking about your life. Um, but being in, in, in a place where you can socialize and get to know new people, that's really what I want. And so we were tiptoeing around each other a fair amount about that to the point that I wasn't even telling her that that was what I want. I would say crap like, oh man, they need a fourth or, uh, you know, this is just going to happen. So I'm just going to be a saint now. I'm going to be a hero and I'm going to go and I'm going to play tennis. And really all I had to say was, I want to get out of here and spend some time with some friends. That was a big chapter in our book was me learning to ask for what I want instead of walking on eggshells around her. Mm-hmm. Well, my partner and I are the same. He's very much an introvert. He's an artist. So he he's very happy with that little alone, quiet space because that's how the brain works. You know, me, I've, I grew up in Hollywood. My dad was an actor, director. I'm always around people. I get my energy from everything, from outdoors, from people, from I'm interested in everything. And it was in the beginning, it took a second, but then that second ended the minute we communicated that to each other. So then he brings me into that quiet place and I take him to the, to the noise when, when we're open to it, you, you know, when we're in that same place. So I think it's very healthy. And what, what uh, the, the ingredient, the main ingredient is to communicate it. You know, I've always said from the beginning, one of my taglines in life is it's one thing to go to bed with a stranger it's another thing to wake up next to one. And that happens to a lot of couples because they don't know each other before they go- jump in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all about communication. Yeah. And that's why we went to counseling. And that's why we ended up writing this mm-hmm. book. We were we were not uh, in, in danger. Our marriage was not going to end, but I knew it could be better. And listen, my parents got divorced. I saw them and they went through marriage counseling. They, they tried super hard, but I saw what that, looked like. And I also saw, you know, we were starting a business together. We had two small children. We had a ton of money stress. I saw our fights. We just kept having the same fights over and over again. And what it comes down to is just like you said, we weren't, we weren't communicating and we weren't talking. We weren't hearing each other. Yeah, we were exactly. And we weren't listening to each other. And I had been in and out of therapy my whole life, but Penn had never done it. And he was a little resistant to go to marriage counseling. A little. He thought it was going to be a blame. 
Well, do you know what's interesting about that? Do you think that the way that marriage is portrayed in movies and TV are detrimental to people trying to improve their marriages? Because I think it's interesting that you said, you know, it was fine. The marriage was fine. And I think a lot of people do that, but they're not thinking, well, it shouldn't be fine. It should be better. It should be better, right? We So the metaphor that we use at the beginning of the book is stereotypically guys work on their cars. And the the very least that we do with our cars is we take them in for an oil change every three, 5,000 miles, whatever. The car is running fine. We just take it in because we were taught that if you don't do that, eventually it's going to break down. We don't do any active maintenance on our marriage. And we're frankly, you know, you heard Kim say I was a little reticent. I was a lot reticent. I have this pride around my relationship with my wife that I obviously don't have around my car that if, if there's an admission that something needs a tune-up, I over reach mentally and just say, oh, I'm a failure. My marriage is in trouble. And I shoot straight to that because of my pride that I, as a man, I should be the calm voice in this marriage. I should be the rock and everything should be just fine instead of like taking some time to do some maintenance on it. And so that's kind of what counseling is. You can go when everything is for the most part, okay, and discover some little things that maybe you could do better to turn it from a good marriage into a yeah, great I think marriage. it's really good advice. Hang tight, and we'll be right back. When you asked about, you know, Hollywood's portrayal of marriage, I think in Hollywood, from what I've seen, there's this tendency to really lean heavy into the gender stereotypes in terms of, like, all men are stupid, and all men are incapable of, you know, of, of doing this. And, of course, you I know, mean, there's always exceptions. But I think a real marriage is those tiny little moments and it's really, it's nearly impossible to portray accurately because he, Penn and I can have this tiny little passive aggressive argument, you know, we're used to, but then you got to get a kid to school and you got to get a kid to a doctor's appointment. And it's those thousand little things that make up a marriage and it goes on the back burner. And then what happens when the back burner starts, uh, you know, stops working. So it's this, it's to me, it's this more gradual decline than anything in Hollywood could actually portray. Right. Well, I, I say you don't have to love what your partner does. You have to love that your partner loves something. Mm -hmm. We wrote this book, we, we did the work, but when it comes down to it, we also picked well, you know? So at the end of the day, I think our fight, we have become way more resilient in our arguments and our arguments. When we say everybody fights, it's not table flipping. It's not screaming and yelling. It's those little moments. And then we we bounce back. We recover so quickly right now. Yeah. And part of what I'm trying to work on as a, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I work really hard and I love yeah. all of it. But Penn has this tennis, he has this group of guys. You know, my kids have asked me like, what do you do, mom? And besides driving them places, I don't do, so I am currently looking for my retirement hobby some thinking pickleball is my thing. Like I do realize I need a thing. Like I need something yeah. beyond my identity as a mom and a wife. And so I, I'm, I'm actively searching for uh, my thing. And I hope you know that I support that, honey. Look, I look how many marriages we've seen fall apart once the kids go off. They realize, well, we barely talked to each other. It's all been about, you know, getting them to school and trying to get them into college and whatever it is. 
And then they realized we barely talked to each other. Yeah. My parents got divorced after I left for school. And they had, by the way, they'd had problems for a long time. They'd been working for a long time, but I left and it was like, okay, that's, we're done now. And, um, I, I knew that. And so I, I entered into marriage kind of like tiptoeing because statistically as a child of divorce, I'm more likely to get to get a divorce. That's why it was really important to me that we do the work early on. I'm glad you recognize that most people don't understand that, that if their parents got divorced, they are more apt to get divorced themselves. I come from parents who are now 93 and 95. They've been together, I don't know, 60 years oh, or something. Amazing. And so it was sort of the same with college. They they never said, do you want to go to college? My entire growing up, they just said, when you go to college, when you go to college, oh, well, we got to get you ready for college. It was never a discussion. We just assumed we're going to college. And in the same way, They've always been together. I always assume when I, you know, if I'm with someone, it's just forever. There was never really another choice. Like, oh, my parents got divorced, so I could just get divorced. It's just not in my brain that way. Yeah, and, it, and it's an option. It's an it, it is a real option that. And I've heard people say, you know what, we're going to give it a try, and if it doesn't work, you just split up. And to you, that's a foreign language. But to me, yeah, if it doesn't work out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Also, I think it's very, very important in arguing what you say. Everybody's going to have a discord or a disagreement. But it's very important to choose your words and your tone so you don't lose the communication, even in an argument. Because I know I always, I do my best to think before I speak, but I always think after I speak. So I can make sure that I can reel that back in and fix it when you can remember what I broke or what I bruised rather than waiting until I destroyed it. Yeah, that was a big part of my learning experience. And that was honestly one of the first issues that we had, knowing like learning that 90% of all communication is nonverbal. I mean, you mentioned tone, mm -hmm. there's body language, there's so many other things. Expressions, eye rolls. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but, but Kim Knives and I- Knives in the back. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> We started working together kind of like everyone else has, has been doing it over the last year in, in a home kind of on our own. It's just the two of us and we're, we're building a, a professional relationship together. And it was as I had just gotten done working in a newsroom. For those of you who work in local news, we talk to each other like drunken sailors. It's like pretty yeah. abrasive. There are these crazy deadlines. You say, go get it now. You, I mean, you don't have time to explain or be polite or or pay attention to your tone. It's just, it's like verbal abuse across the entire newsroom and everyone mm -hmm. just gets used to it. And so Kim and I started working together and I didn't change my tone. I talked the same way. And this is not only someone who wasn't working with me before and had never seen me like this, it was my wife that I was talking to like this. So we had a lot of early fights about the way I was speaking to her and my tone. And I wasn't, I mean, I'll be honest, I love her so much. I was not aware that I was doing this. It took, for me, just saying you're doing it, I almost want to say, no, I'm not. But then going to the counseling and learning, you know, what happens to your brain when you're in an argument and when you're under stress kind of keeps you from being able to, to speak the right way. And that was happening to me. Like the, the part of my brain that uh, controls speech seizes up when I'm in a fight. And so I like, it, it's not like I black out or anything, but I speak disrespectfully to people. And once I became aware of it, I could stop it. But it was a problem at first. 
Yeah, you have to be conscious of it because it, it can be brutal. It's destroyed a lot of friendships, it, it, and, it, and it stops the communication because then, you, then you're fighting a whole bunch of other personal issues that, that brought out in you. Yeah. First couple of years of our, of our video making, you know, when our videos went viral, the most common question that we got, people were sometimes afraid to ask it, were, are you scared you're going to mess up your kids? And our answer since the beginning is, yeah, we, we are. <laughs> yes. I don't know many parents who aren't worried about that. Kim, you referred to them as silly videos, but these silly videos have become huge business. Do you have your family coming to you yeah, going, are you going to ever get a real job? <laughs> yes. It's funny. Most people, people still ask like, but how do you make money? And it's a fair question, yeah. right? We also aren't egomaniacal enough to think that this is what we'll do until we retire because people could stop watching our videos. Yeah. But course. just so to make it clear, so there's, yeah, there's a little ads that run within the video or before the video, and then we get um, so we share the revenue off of that. So it's like a revenue share with the platform or the Facebook or YouTube, or we work with brands. Like we just did a, an engagement for Mother's Day and Father's Day with Etsy. So Etsy's a you know a site we love, and I shop from all the time. And when they approached us, yeah, so um, so stuff like that. So those are sort of paid partnerships, and it's a very very strange way to pay the mortgage, but it's working right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most people in our family don't understand what it is. Well, send us some tips for that. <laughs> You'd be a really good Hollywood couple because many people come thinking, oh, look, I have a hit film. I'm going to have a hit film for the next 20 years. And then they find themselves with no income, begging everybody to put them into a movie or a TV show. And we, you know, we see, look, you see how many actors and actresses are out there that were kid actors and then they could never make another dime. So you guys go into it with a very smart idea this could end tomorrow. I don't know if it's smart. It's like it, but it's because uh, I don't know if we're smart at all, but we definitely believe it's going to end tomorrow. We were both in the world, I think, adjacent to film, which was, you know, uh, news and broadcasting where you would send out 20 demo tapes a year with the hope of like landing whatever the next career step was. But you were always kind of at the mercy right. of the people who were producing it. So just being on the side where we can just make a, a, a conscious decision to not only produce, but produce as much as possible, um, that, control. that give, it gives us a little more control. If you put out a video and not as many people watch it as the last one, do you all start to panic and go, oh my God, this is the end. Nobody watched We used video. to. We used to. <laughs> but no, we used to. We've made over a thousand videos now. So like, the, like we used to really spend a lot of time on just one video and you know, uh, it would come out and it wouldn't do as well as the one before. And we look at each other like, are we going to work at Starbucks now? Is that, is it time? Is that, <laughs> they got great benefits. Well, you can do a video there. Yeah. Well, they're fun though. They're really fun and they're, and they're lighthearted. And they're also, and I like the irony of them. You know, that's what I was saying. Especially when I saw the Rona one, that cracked me up. But if there's stuff to it, then you can think about it. So they're just not mindless and they're not silly. They're actually uh, educational and they, and they let you think. I mean, that's what I take away from it, so. We're gonna give you the last word. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Kim, I'm gonna let you have the last word because I <laughs> love you. Oh, well, that's a start. <laughs> I would just end with, we have no idea what we're doing. We have no business plan. We barely know what video we're gonna put out tomorrow, much less next week. So when people ask like, what's next? I mean, we have no idea. But I think that's that's worked for us so far. It's against my nature entirely. 
it's been a heck of a ride and we're just holding on. The only thing I'll add is that we have surrounded ourselves by, with some really good people who you may not see as much in our videos, but, um, between like, you know, our literary agent who got us started on this book, our editor who helped us write it, um, our mother, we call her Anne-Marie Tapke, who's just kind of our all-encompassing manager who we brought on a couple of years ago saying, can you really, can you be our boss? Um, which allows us to kind of freely roam around this world and not have a business plan and not know what we're doing. We yeah. like, we're so lucky to be surrounded by good people. Well, That's always important. Yeah. Cam, remind Take listeners care. where they can find you on social media or on your website. The Holderness family, as Penn likes to say, it's like wilderness, but with a hoe on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> YouTube, theholdernessfamily.com. Yeah. All right, great. Okay. okay. Thank, Thank you, you so again. much. Thank and you. have a good trip yourselves. So they were completely different than I expected. Oh, they were lovely, absolutely lovely, and so talented and creative. Yeah, I really liked them. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, I like them a lot. Hopefully we can do more things with them, or at least have more conversations, and uh, maybe they can come back, maybe they can do another video with us in it. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Well, as always, we want to thank all of you for tuning in each week. If you like our podcast, the best way to support us, it's free and much appreciated. So leave us a review, give us a five-star review, and tell your friends about it. It helps us immensely. Each time a new review comes in, and the more we get, the longer we get to do this crazy thing each week for you. And don't forget to tune each week for our Two Peas in a Podcast segment where we go on Instagram and Facebook Live, and Joey attempts to teach me an easy recipe, except for last week where I went on and taught Joey how to make a pina colada from scratch. Which was so delicious and so good and so easy to do. You will hopefully try it for yourself and really enjoy it. So if you're interested in sending in a question for us or want to tell us how much you simply love us, feel free to send us a message on social media or email contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com and you know what we'll do. And we'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Editing and post-production by Nathan Moody. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.